0: Hey, and welcome to the Hypnotize Me Podcast. This is a podcast about hypnosis, transformation, and healing. I'm Dr. Liz. This week is Maternal Mental Health Awareness Week. It's May 1st through 7th, since so 2017, when I'm recording this. And I am a BMD/slash PPD specialist. That's a perinatal mood disorder, which includes pregnancy and postpartum, anxiety and depression, as well as a postpartum depression and anxiety specialist. So first, this week, I'm gonna tell you some of my own story, how I had pretty severe PPD after both my babies. Then I'm gonna talk about symptoms, then risk factors, and how to work for prevention if you have multiple risk factors. And then I'm gonna talk about hypnosis can help and how to get help in your area. I don't want this to be a big list of things. You know how people start just talking about symptoms and risk factors and it's like you know, you feel like you're hearing them read bullet points. So I don't want it to be like that. So I'll try my best to put stories in along the way and make it a little more palatable to you. It's a hard topic. It's a hard topic to hear about. It's sometimes a hard topic to talk about. Um, people want to think that everything is happy, shiny when you're pregnant and postpartum, and it's just not. You know, if you've listened to other episodes, you know that I taught prenatal yoga for close to 15 years and owned a prenatal yoga company and then sold it in May of 2016. So I have taught thousands of pregnant women. Thousands. Pregnancy is not always happy shiny. It's just not. In fact, I was convinced that that was One of the reasons that my classes were so successful is because I was willing to acknowledge that, that pregnancy is so hard sometimes and it sucks often and the physical changes suck for women and the emotional changes are difficult. I also talked a lot about postpartum depression and how to prevent it or how to get help if they got it in that class. So I still see clients in my private practice because I'm one of a handful of PMD specialists in Broward County, which is in South Florida. It is a really meaningful part of my practice to be able to help them, to be able to see them transform and get better and know that that's not just affecting them, that's affecting their babies, it's affecting their grandchildren even. It's um, a beautiful thing to see, really. So let's get to it. PMD can hit any time in the first year after birth. The whole first year. Okay. People are surprised by that. They often think of it as just like the first couple of weeks. And you'll often see things that differentiate between like baby blues, which only lasts a couple of weeks. And when do you get help? If those baby blues are seem to like not be stopping, right? If it's just getting worse. They're very surprised to hear that it's the whole first year, like you can really be diagnosed with postpartum depression, and anxiety, the whole first year after motherhood, because you're so vulnerable that first year. There is actually a bump in people that come in around six to nine months. That's basically when both of mine hit too, was six to nine months. So that's something to keep in mind as we go forward. Okay. So I had PPD with both my babies. The first birth started... Closer to like six months is actually pretty much probably in the beginning. It was a very mild, but then when we moved at about four months, it got a lot worse. So we moved from Orlando to Miami. My husband had finished his degree and we moved in with his mom. Hey, his father passed away when he was a child. So it's his mom. He didn't have a job and we wanted to save for a house and we wanted to be by family. So we moved back down to Miami And what I left behind was a whole support network. So I left behind my therapist, who I wasn't actually seeing at the time, but there's some sense of like comfort knowing you can see your therapist because she's in the same city. I left behind all my mom friends that I had made in prenatal yoga and that we were hanging out like all the time. I left behind uh, job contacts. So I wasn't working. I was staying home, but I was trying to do some consulting on the side. So I left that behind too. And then I moved in with my mother-in-law, okay? And that's not on any official list of risk factors, living with in-laws, but it's on my list, let me tell you. Okay? Not because she was awful, she wasn't. She's actually a lovely person, loves my children very much. But there is a certain feeling to living with in-laws when you're a new mother that I believe is a risk factor for PPD, the second time I had it, it hit it about nine months due to a crisis in my marriage. So I had a really good first couple of months, you know, eight eight or so months with my second daughter, where I really got to feel what that felt like. It felt so different than when the with the first baby, where I was happy and she was lovely, and I was, you know, I. Liked when she woke up, right? I liked seeing her. Um, I didn't dread the baby. And that felt really good. But then that all shifted at nine months or so. And I got suicidal with both. Okay, I would cry and cry and cry pretty much all day. I would sit with my second beside her crib and just cry while she cried because I couldn't soothe her. At one point, I even climbed into the crib. Like, yeah, (laughs) if you've done that yourself, you need to send me an email. I climbed into the crib because I was so like stuck on like, she's not co-sleeping with us. I did that with her first and it drove me nuts. You know, I am a big supporter. Go sleep, co-sleeping at some point, but it absolutely... I drove me nuts with the first because it was so much contact. Um, again, we do all this stuff for our kids, right, that we think is the best for them. And then at some point, we figure out we need some balance that we're important to. But the first, it was more like I just felt like I was the worst mother. Like I had nothing to offer her, even though I was breastfeeding and co-sleeping and cloth diapering, that I wasn't good enough. I felt like my mother-in-law was always there peering over my shoulder. Even though she was really trying to be helpful, it wasn't what I needed. I'm an introvert, a very private person, and I know it doesn't feel like that when I'm doing a podcast, (laughs) right? I talk a lot about myself. But in general, like I need space when I get home and I just felt like I had none of that. So I would just sit in the room, the bedroom and nurse her and cry and cry thinking, well, this is about the only thing I can give her. Um, Even though like if you looked at from the outside, it looked like I was a good mom, quote unquote, you know, I carried her like 24 seven because she didn't want to be put down and was doing all this stuff. But on the inside, I felt like I was an awful mother. I didn't understand why other women liked this part of motherhood. It was um, so difficult for me, it didn't feel happy. I would often leave the house and go to like Target or Baby's RS or something, like take her out. Just to feel like normal, just to feel like these instincts would kick in, where I felt like I was a good mom to her. So anyway, a, a friend reached out who lived across the country to a mom in the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area, and said, "Hey, my friend really needs some help. Could you invite her to your playgroup?" She had like known her online and some other forum that they were on, and this was before Facebook even existed. So. She said, sure. And she reached out to me and I started going to that play group and I eventually started feeling better. Okay. I never got treatment on the first one and it lasted a lot longer than the second. The second one I did get treatment and I got better pretty quickly. So that is a, a brief part of my story. You know, there's a lot of details in there that come out from time to time in different ways as I tell different stories, but that's the brief on it. So let's get to the symptoms now. So the symptoms, this is a short list that you often see. Okay, and I'm gonna go into bullet points really quick and then we're gonna talk about these. So weepy, anxious or nervous, angry, scared by your thoughts, like you're having scary thoughts. Not like yourself, like you don't feel like yourself. Guilt, regret, shame. Okay, so that's the short list. And people will say, if you're feeling this and the baby blues aren't disappearing, the official on this is about after two weeks, if you're still feeling awful, you need to get some help. For me, what I see in my practice is about six weeks, the babies figure out night from day and mom's moods shift a whole lot. So if you're having you know scary thoughts, suicidal thoughts, fears of hurting the baby. Moms hardly ever hurt the baby when you really look at the statistics, but they sometimes have these scary thoughts that they're going to, and that's frightening to them, and they feel guilty and awful for them. Like if you're having those kinds of things go on, you can't sleep when the baby's sleeping, these different symptoms, and I say, yes, get help. If you feel like you're just crying all the time, you're not quite sure what to do, and you're still getting your feet wet, like feet under you, then give it two to four weeks or so. around six weeks. if you don't notice a shift, then you need to get some help. Okay so around six weeks, the babies figure out night from day, they start sleeping more, you get more sleep, things start to feel more normal and moms start to feel a lot better. But if that doesn't help happen for you, then definitely get some help. Let's go over the longer list of symptoms. Like I said, thoughts of suicide or death. Um, this is a whole range and this doesn't mean that you need to be hospitalized. It means you need to talk to someone. Absolutely. But it's often code for not getting what you need. This can be like, I don't feel like living. I dread waking up. When you're getting into like making a plan, like you're you're far gone. At that point, you do need to like get some really intense help immediately. Um, sometimes women do want to be hospitalized. Sometimes they don't. It's often not appropriate for them, but sometimes it is. If someone has attempted or really feels like if someone doesn't watch them, they're going to do it. Often a family watch can be set up for them where, you know, anything that they could use is taken out of the house and they just need someone there to be with them. Again, that's a whole range, but you definitely need to get some help if that kind of stuff is going on. Again, crying all the time, very common in the first couple of weeks, all right? It should be decreasing. You should feel like you're getting your feet under you and the crying isn't happening so frequently, maybe when you feel frustrated or something, but it shouldn't be daily. If you're still crying daily at around four to six weeks, you need to get some help, really. Lack of ability to enjoy your life as much. So if you're waking up with dread, you dread picking up the baby, you have no interest in taking care of the baby, it feels like an alien to you, then you can get some help for that. Like those feelings are going to change is what I'm trying to tell you. Like that's attachment stuff. And I have another video on my website that talks about the bond between a mom and baby and how it grows over time. So some women, the baby comes out and they bond immediately. And then other women, and I would say the vast majority of women, feel like that bond grows over time. So when the baby starts smiling at you, when they start making eye contact with you, when you know they start doing things, the longer you take care of the baby, the bigger and better that bond grows. But if you feel like there's like nothing there, like you want to have nothing to do with the baby, that's PPD. let me state that clearly. That is postpartum depression or anxiety. That is fixable. You do not have to live with that feeling. You can get some help and that feeling can get better. So um, fatigue, loss of energy. I always think this one is really funny. It's like everybody's exhausted after a baby. Everybody. But if it's like you can't get out of bed to take care of the baby, that's extreme fatigue. Like you need to get some help for that. All right. Um, appetite, weight changes. When you're nursing, you are ravenous. (laughs) Almost all moms I know are ravenous. If you have no appetite and you have some of the other symptoms going on, that's a sign of PMD actually. Along with that is often moms who have no appetite and then they can't sleep either. Everybody's telling you like sleep when the baby sleeps. And you're just sort of like, ah, if I could you know, like if I could, I would. That is the feeling. When people talk about PPD, they often forget about the anxiety part. So there is this depression part of like tearing and crying and sadness and hopelessness. And then there's this anxiety part. Now, some moms will have a mix of both, And some moms will just have one or the other, but often anxious moms are the ones that are like pacing the house at night. They feel like they can't go out with a baby or something awful is going to happen, or they're having these intrusive thoughts and intrusive thoughts are like having these horrible thoughts of something happening or you doing something to the baby that are really disturbing to them. That is the anxiety piece of PMD. And again, that is treatable. That is going to get better. Those can go away. And I had a friend who, um, she's a psychologist herself, and she said she went and got a prescription for anti-anxiety. I don't think she was breastfeeding because so you have to be careful about which ones are okay for breastfeeding or not. And she said, I actually never took it, but just having it in the house helped me somehow. So she's like, I was the one like pacing up all night, unable to sleep, just worrying and worrying and worrying. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? What if something happens to them? And she's like, but once I went and saw somebody and then I had the prescription in the house in case I needed it, I felt much better. Like those thoughts begin to go away. I begin to feel better. So that's something to consider. Okay. Feelings of worthlessness or guilt or feeling like you're a bad mom. Like this, again, I shared about my own story, feeling like, like, why was I even here? Just to nurse the baby. That's about it, okay? I mean, That's really how you felt. Like, I'm not a good mom, even though, objectively, someone could look and be like, you're crazy, right? That is what it feels like. You feel like you're nuts. So those type of feelings coming over you all the time are something you should get help for. Most moms don't feel that competent when it's a first baby. Okay. They don't feel like they know what they're doing. It takes a little bit to get that feeling that changes and grows as we change and grow with mother as mothers and as the babies change and grow into like little kids and toddlers and all of that. But at some point you have this sense of like, everything's okay. I know how to feed the baby and diaper the baby and you get some sense of competence. And that should come, you know, within those first couple of months. And if that's not coming, then go get some help. There's deeper stuff going on that we can address. Feeling irritable, angry, um, rageful. Okay. This is called sometimes an irritable depression. Someone who's just so angry and they feel like they could kill their partner. Okay. Sometimes this is a symptom of pregnancy. It's like, oh, you want to kill your partner? Got it. Uh Uh-huh this should pass. All right. This should pass with conversation. You should be able to talk to them and like feel better and get to that like soft mushy place with them. If that doesn't pass, that is that can be a symptom of postpartum depression and anxiety, that rageful, angry state. Like you feel like nothing can make you happy, you're just irritable all the time. Sometimes that's a sleep issue. So occasionally it's like you need to figure out an easier way to feed the baby. Maybe you need to lie down if you're nursing. Maybe you need to co-sleep. Maybe um, someone else can take on an early morning shift and give the baby a bottle of breast milk or formula, whichever one you're using. And sometimes that'll resolve that. It'll go away. If it doesn't, then again, like look into that, get some help. Another one that I see on the symptom list is this doesn't feel like me. So you don't feel like yourself. So there's this piece of motherhood where you never feel like yourself again. Okay, I'm going to say that outright. It is so transformative that you often become like this different person, this person you never really anticipated or could imagine. But there is this core sense of like, okay, this is my life and this is me, and I know I can do this, and I know that you know, I have skills in this area, and you just sort of feel like yourself again. You're starting to shower again and get dressed and, um, you know, go about your day. You feel okay going out of the house, and that begins to feel like you more. And if that sense is not coming back to you around, like, again, a month to two months, then you definitely need to get some help. So those are the symptoms, I know this is a longer episode than I typically do. I actually thought about breaking this into two parts, but I ultimately decided it's good to have all the information in one place. And then you can come back and listen to it whenever you can, right? Okay, so let's get to risk factors and then prevention, which is really important. Risk factors, so personal history, depression or anxiety. So if you've been depressed or anxious before, it's a risk factor for PMD. It's also a risk factor for being depressed or anxious during your pregnancy. That's another risk factor. If you're pregnant or anxious during your pregnancy, you know, that's the time to get some help. If you already know it, then if you get help, you start feeling better, you're going to have a better experience of motherhood, postpartum. Family history of depression or anxiety is also a risk factor. So if your mom or your grandma had Postpartum depression or anxiety, then you're at a higher risk for that yourself. Okay. This is why it's important to get help if you're pregnant and depressed or anxious because it affects your baby someday, like when he or she grows up to become a father or a mother. Um, postpartum depression anxiety does affect fathers. That's often not talked about, but absolutely affects fathers. High level of stress. Low marital partner satisfaction. These sometimes go together, right? <laughs> so if you're unhappy in your marriage, you're at a higher risk. Low social support. So that means like no family nearby, not a lot of friends, your partner is minimally supportive. That puts you at a higher risk for prenatal and postpartum depression and anxiety, Moving to a new area during your pregnancy or during the first year postpartum. This sometimes means moving cities. Sometimes it's moving like across town. Like I live in a huge area and downtown is more where um, a lot of singles live. And then often when they have kids, they get pregnant, they move out west. And your whole friend landscape changes when you do that so it is harder to get together with friends, it's sometimes harder to even talk to them, like your your patterns are starting to change and so that makes it harder and that's why it's more of a risk factor for PMD. Significant financial stress. Now, pretty much everyone I know is worried when a baby's on the way about finances. Like it is the rare person who's not worried. It doesn't matter what you make, (laughs) like somehow knowing that you're going to have to support a child makes everybody freak out a little bit about expenses. That's not really what we're talking about. Okay. We're talking about really significant financial stress. Like one of you loses a job, you know, there's a drastic change in income, that type of thing. Lack of exercise, physical activity definitely is a risk factor. Why? Because exercise makes you feel good right? It, it actually sets off like feel good kinds of hormones in the body and uh, releases those, those types of things that help you feel better. So that's a risk factor. Disappointing or traumatic birth experience. I see this as a huge risk factor, a disappointing or traumatic birth experience. Not a whole lot has been written about traumatic birth. Okay? there There are no books for PTSD due to birth hey not that i've seen if you know of one please email me and tell me it is a huge factor we often as women plan these beautiful births and then when they don't happen it's so disappointing it's so sad we often feel responsible like it's our fault somehow chances are you're not responsible <laughs> like it's a, a multitude of factors that went into it this was definitely a factor for me you know i i planned this Beautiful natural birth at a birthing center, ended up transferring to a hospital, getting epidural, and you know, but cesarean, like, there's a lot of factors that went into that that happened with both my babies. And it was absolutely more of a factor for my first birth. By the time the second one rolled around, it was less, but it, it was definitely part of it. I actually talk about that on another episode, episode 15, I talk about my own birth stories and unexpected birth pass. How neither one of them turned out how I thought they would. So that is a, a factor for postpartum depression and anxiety. Wanting to breastfeed, but you couldn't, or rapid weaning. Okay, so both of these, sometimes what's going on is actually a breastfeeding issue. And once that's resolved, then the mom feels so much better and she can continue on with her motherhood, right? But sometimes you have to wean due to some medical circumstances or you couldn't breastfeed, like all kinds of different factors go into that. And that will often send a mom into PMD, rapid weaning. Sometimes what happens is a mom gets really anxious and then she'll go to her doctor and the doctor prescribes something and say, well, you can't breastfeed on this. Okay, and I encourage you if this is happening to a friend or moving forward it happens to you. I encourage you to call lactation consultant. There are all kinds of medications you can breastfeed on. The reason I say this is because when you rapid wean you're no longer getting oxytocin released, which is a protective mechanism to help you feel good, to help you bond with your baby and it will often, send someone into a more severe postpartum depression that wasn't there. So maybe some mild stuff was going on, or maybe nothing was going on. But when you do rapid weaning, then it makes everything worse. So I really recommend that whenever possible, you wean gradually over time. So infant temperament, high needs or a colicky baby. Like, yeah, those little buggers are hard to deal with. If you have a high needs baby, a baby that wants to be held all the time or a baby that's having, you know, regurgitation or they're colicky, there's the witching hour that happens between like four and 6 PM or so where a lot of babies will like cry and cry and cry and You do everything you can during that time to console them. You do this, you do that, you take them on a walk, you take them outside, you know, all this stuff. But beyond that, if you have a colicky baby, then that's really difficult to deal with often for moms and is a contributing factor for PMD. Let's see, a preterm baby, like a baby in the NICU or a preterm birth, so much anxiety, worry, concern, like boom, you're hit with it immediately if you have a baby in the NICU, right? That's a very sad, scary experience for some parents. Some parents feel like it's safe for the baby to be in the NICU. And then when it's time to bring them home, they're like, oh my God, what do I do now? Like that happens. So that is a contributor to PMD. And the final Symptom, of course, that I talked about before is living with the in-laws, right? (laughs) I seriously, seriously think this is a risk factor. Everybody has one or two of these. So don't worry if you're like, oh my God, I have that one, or oh my God, I have that one. The more you have, though, the higher risk you are for a prenatal or postpartum depression and anxiety. So the more important it is for you to do prevention and or to get help. So let's talk a little bit about prevention. Exercise, rest, a good diet all go towards preventing P.M.D. The trick is finding time to do all of that, but really consider it a necessity if you have several factors. Prenatal yoga absolutely helps prevent and manage depression and anxiety. Okay, I did a study through the company that I used to own, had a really good response rate to make this statistically significant. About 75% felt that skills learned during prenatal yoga helped reduce anxiety or depression during their pregnancy. That's amazing numbers, 75%. And about 89% felt the skills helped postpartum, 89%. So if you can do a video, if you can find a class in your area, definitely try to find a class. If you're in Broward County, there's a yoga fairy, prenatal yoga classes regardless, wherever you are in listening to this, if you're pregnant, if you can find a class to do prenatal yoga, that's going to help you do prevention. Some of that is that you learn relaxation skills and breathing skills. You have a better birth. You know, Some of that is contributing to that. Let's assume that you've had the baby and you're focusing on prevention. Ask for help when you need it from your partner, from friends and family. If you don't have anyone in your area, There's postpartum doulas that you can hire to help you come into the home and help you take care of the baby or give you a break or let you sleep some, or they'll just come in and cook and clean for you. They're really like angels. Get involved in a prenatal group or a mom's group after you have the baby, either online or in person. So if you can take some classes so that you're getting out of the house, like mom and baby music classes or exercise classes, any of those there's stroller strides that is worldwide where you take the baby and you work out with your baby. There's all kinds of programs. So try to Google them in your area. Okay, now how does hypnosis help? When someone comes in for postpartum depression and I'm treating them, I do a combination of talk therapy and hypnosis. So interpersonal therapy is the most researched and what they find to be the most effective treatment for postpartum depression. We use hypnosis as a part of that to support the relaxation, to support the reduction of anxiety, to support the reduction of depression. You can get better very quickly. Like we're talking two to three months for most women, I know that that's not an expected expense, but it is well worth it so that you have a better experience of motherhood, so that you reduce the effects on your baby. Some of these effects show up years and years later, like school years. If you had a traumatic birth, we can process that trauma, release some of it so that you're not thinking about it all the time. You're not having the flashbacks. It's not coming back to you at odd moments, making you cry, um, In terms of if you're having physical pain from the birth, often women will come in and have, they had an episiotomy that maybe didn't go well and they're having physical pain. Hypnosis can reduce that pain drastically and even take it away sometimes. I did one case where it was one session of hypnosis. Like the mom did a couple of sessions talking about what was going on, but one session of hypnosis to reduce the pain she was having from her episiotomy. And that's all it took. She never had that pain again, which is, you know, a miracle, right? That's what I consider it. This miracle of hypnosis. That is different ways how hypnosis and therapy can help. Okay. How to get help in your area? Like how do you find a therapist? Postpartum support, international is an organization that helps connect women to providers and they have a warm line. That means you can call in and leave a message and someone will call you back. Of course, that'll be in the show notes of the episode and it's postpartum.net. Postpartum Progress is another website, postpartumprogress.com that will connect you with providers in your area. There's also mmhcoalition.com that stands for maternal mental health, mmhcoalition.com. If you go to awareness and events and then MMH Awareness Week and scroll down, you'll see all kinds of resources there, therapists, podcasts, businesses who want to support this movement and want to support you finding help. So you can also find help that way. There's also the National Suicide Hotline. Okay. If you're having those types of feelings in the U.S., it's 1-800-273-8255. Again, that'll be in the show notes. You can call them and talk about all kinds of stuff, actually. You, You don't have to be suicidal. I tell people that all the time, right? Like call up and talk about your problems. There's someone there to listen to you. Okay. You can also Google postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety counseling, Google that in your area and see who comes up. As much as possible, try to find a specialist in this area. You know, I had one client came in who she had been seeing a therapist and the therapist said, this isn't postpartum depression because you were depressed during your pregnancy. It's like (laughs) that's completely false like yes it's postpartum depression depression during your pregnancy is a risk factor for it like she just really didn't know how to address it how to talk about it how to give the woman support and when you're trained in this you do you understand how hard it is you understand how to help make those changes so whenever possible try to find a provider who's trained There's also the Mama Mind podcast run by Dr. Kat. That's an amazing podcast that you can listen to for support. It's all about postpartum depression, anxiety, and she interviews the most amazing people. And that's a really good resource. So we have come to the end of this episode. I know it's longer than typical, but I hope you got some information from it. If you know a mom that had a baby in the past year, ask her how she's doing. Ask her, ask her, please give me the real answer. Don't just gloss it over and then see how you can help her. That's our hashtag for this week, hashtag ask her. And you'll see that floating around. You can tweet it yourself if you want to help support this movement to help moms have a happier experience of pregnancy and motherhood and to help their babies, to help everybody, right? When mom is happier, everybody is happier. Okay, have a wonderful week, people. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. If you like this episode, do me a favor and rate, review, and subscribe on whatever player you like. Or even better, tell a friend so that more and more people learn about hypnosis and how it can be helpful for them. If you want to know more about me, head over to drlizhypnosis.com. That's D-R-L-I-Z-hypnosis.com. You can see the downloads and see if there's one that's helpful for your life, or you could also join the newsletter and get a couple of free files, as well as lots of good content. I've written a newsletter for well over 10 years. Go ahead and subscribe and join the rest of the world. All right, people. Have a wonderful week.